Hello everyone, it's John here. Just before we get into the episode, Alison and Liz have asked me to put a small disclaimer at the start saying that there is less content than usual this week, owing to us being live from Punctuation 2. So I realise this, this is how the sauce gets made. So I'm going to shout, hang on, so I get a comment in, and then John will edit that bit out when we actually edit the recording, so it doesn't sound like I just shout at him. Um, but I do. Hello everyone and welcome to the very 34th episode of Octothorpe, a podcast for science fiction and science fiction fandom. This is the episode for the 24th of June 2021. I'm John Coxon. I'm Alison Scott. And I'm Liz Batty. And did we mention we're coming live from Punctuation 2? We should mention that. We're coming live from Punctuation 2. We have a live audience of, well, 43, but three of them are us, so 40, and one of them is the person who's helping us, so 39. So I think that's, that's not bad, actually. That's quite good. That's One of those is a transcription bot. So 38. Oh, yeah, okay. So 38. <laughs> They're falling away. And several of them are asleep, so probably about two. <laughs> Thank you all very much for coming along and watching us. Right, so Octothorpe today is sponsored by Stow Shirts. Um, come and find us in the dealer's room, um, buy the Punctuation 2 merch, or, or John is modelling a beautiful Octothorpe t-shirt. Um, it's actually a crap Octothorpe t-shirt, but you can't tell on Zoom. Um, I've got him to complain and hopefully they'll be sending him a better one. They are, they are indeed. Did, did you hear back from them? They said, we will, we will send you a better one. And I said, thank you. Yeah, so hopefully, so if it prints out the same, then I'm going to have to do something different for Octothought merch. But anyway, we have Octothought merch. We have Punctuation 2 merch. We have all sorts of other merch for other conventions and also things that are not conventions at all. And is that a minute yet, John? Yeah, okay. So, and, and, Basically, if you'd like to sponsor Octothorpe, that's also a thing you could do because we now have quite a lot of costs to defray. And I'm looking at you, Glasgow in 2024. <laughs> <laughs> we have a. We have a reliable listenership of about, I don't know, 80, something like. At least 10. <laughs> so, yeah. So basically, I wanted, I wanted to buy a bit of software so that I could do this. Oh, for f***'s sake. And something will happen when you do that. Yeah. What will happen? Or is it a secret? Is it a secret? I don't think it's a secret. Didn't you just do it? I think I just did it. Do it again, John. Hang on. Jesus. Oh, all oh, right. Okay, I heard it that time. <laughs> Hang on, why am I paying for you to make a soundboard of me swearing? <laughs> It'll be grand. We have, as ever, some letters of comment, but we also have a chat box. So people are posting in the chat. Um, so DC says that they resent reliable and resents the implication that she is reliable um so we'd like to say to out loud and is reliable um and roman says there's a lot of anger about the word reliable and we apologize uh we did not mean to imply anyone was competent and we will uh forthwith act in a way that makes it clear that no one is that's not the sort of reliable I really meant in terms of Ange, because Ange is the woman who walked out this morning with a cheese sandwich to a hotel <laughs> for no reason other than to score points for her house we're going to talk about that later for sure. Um, okay, so we have letters of comment. We have a letter of comment from DC 
sign out on a serious tone, people, which is DC points out that we said Convergence would be the first in-person science fiction convention to be held post-pandemic. And they point out that, in fact, we are still mid-pandemic. And um, yes, so uh, it's tricky because obviously we mean kind of conventions that can happen now that vaccinations are underway and there's more um, uh, scope for that sort of thing. Um, but it is it is worth noting that obviously um, it's not just that we can ignore all of these issues. So good point, DC. I think there is an interesting discussion to have at some point about which point the pandemic becomes post-pandemic and which point it becomes kind of COVID is endemic. I don't think we're at that point yet, but there will be a point where that will happen or it will be on a country by country basis of whether you're sort of in a pandemic or in more of an endemic situation. Um, and that's maybe not too much discussion for punctuation. And I thought while we're here, we could look at Marcin's letter of comment, which is to say that they've already had a convention this year uh, in Poland. And in fact, people are in fact chiming in with more conventions which have happened in person in various places already, um, which is interesting. So places that have had conventions, you know how large they were? Because I was thinking convergence at, you know, probably up to 3,000 could be one of the bigger ones that will have happened. I don't know. I think I've also seen some of these sort of like the ones I consider to be like sort of gate show type things, the sort of, you know, things with artists alley and signing and so on. I think some of those are already back, but presumably there are very strong like commercial pressures to get those back. So they may not be operating purely on what they think is, you know, for the best of the best option for fans and for fandom. It may be what is the best option for their business to to exist. And Griffin has pointed out that it's the World Health Organization that officially declares pandemics. So they will officially declare the pandemic over. However, it strikes me that it's not necessarily in the World Health Organization's interest to officially declare the pandemic over until sometime after everybody's actually stopped treating us as like a pandemic so so we don't know it doesn't feel like it's over yet to me thank you very much for writing in dc we also had a letter from roman orzanski who sent us some fanzines uh that he had written um that are electronic uh he sent us a whole zip archive which we could unzip and it was a uh website fanzine called the wild goose it was very good you could also find the wild goose on the internet which is a sort of newfangled sequence of tubes that you can get and um uh we will put a link to that in the show notes um but thank you very much uh roman and, and roman goes into quite a lot of detail on all the different kind of formats and their um and their and their thoughts on them. So um so yeah, no, it was uh, very good. Thank you very much for writing in Roman. And Erwin Hirsch wrote to us and also talked a lot about fanzines that there've been and the formats in which John Foister and Bruce Gillespie this must be a kind of Australian obsession with fanzine uh, with electronic fanzine formats, really. Um given that we've had locks on this from both Roman and Erwin and also that Bruce Gillespie has been publishing two versions of each SF commentary in both landscape and portrait so you can decide if you're going to get SF commentary and print it out and read it or if you're going to read it on your device and which how you'd like it and he also says in the past couple of podcasts John has mentioned his fanzine is that available on the web somewhere if so can you put the link in the show notes John is your fanzine available on the web somewhere it is 
Uh, and in fact, I wrote a new issue. Procrastinations 14 is out at this very convention. Uh, the, the last issue was in April 2014. So, you know, it's been a little while. Um, but uh, yeah, you can go to the fanzine lounge at this very convention and read it now. Um, and I will put links in the show notes. And I also write Lolzine with Espana, my wife. Uh, and I'll put a link to that in the show notes as well. Um, and we'll put a link to Alison's fanzine in the show notes because she's going to write one. Write one. Yeah. She's looking at me very sceptically. <laughs> Doing the official Octothorpe side eye. And if, if you write very nicely to John, then he might even send you a copy that appears magically on your Kindle and you don't have to do anything uh, apart from, you know, turn the Wi-Fi on on your Kindle. And buy a Kindle. Yeah, okay, yeah, you'd have to buy one. She ha- she knows this secret trick because I sent one to her Kindle. Can you send me one that appears automatic- magically on my Kobo? Email me, listeners. Email me and tell me how you want my fanzine. And presuming it's like acceptable and doesn't involve staples, then I will uh, comply. What if I print out your podcast and put staples in it? Print out my podcast and put staples in it? Sorry, no, I wouldn't print out your podcast and put staples in it. That would be quite complicated. What if I get the copy of Procrastinations you sent me, print it out and put staples in it and then send you a photo? So I happen to know that Mark Plummer of this parish indeed used to whack a couple of Rexels through it, as he termed it in a lock once, um, uh, before reading it. And maybe this is something we should add to the scavenger hunt, um, a stapled fanzine. i got to go and put that in the air title. I'm going to put a stapled fanzine, stapled copy of John's fanzine. Yeah, okay. <laughs> uh, we also got um, another lock from Christopher J. Garcia, um, who has a new job. Well done, Chris. And um, he snipes me. He says he was doing EPUBs with the drink tank in 2010. So I think that is our new winner for earliest EPUB, um, I believe. So well done to Chris. So I, I do I do sometimes think that Chris Garcia, maybe when he is multitasking and listening to six podcasts and making dinner and also typing up a letter of comment, maybe he types a little bit too fast because he has ended his letter buying saying, most importantly, we were filing cabinet. So yeah, we were filing cabinet. I think there's probably something profound in that. We are all filing cabinet, Liz. He's also been on his sweater vest. Yes. Thank you, Chris. We also did get um, James Shields sent us dice of comment, which uh, I should probably mention. Well, he sent you dice of comment. He did send me dice of comment. Didn't send me dice of comments. So I bid, I bid, <laughs> I bid on James Shields's uh, dice lot at Confusion, which was Eastcom, and um, I got outbid by Esther, who bid one hundred and twenty pounds on the dice, and then sent them to me, which was very kind of her. Thank you, Esther. And so I got my Oct- my Octacon die, and I got my Glasgow in twenty twenty four die, and I got my Dublin in twenty nineteen die, and I got my New Zealand in twenty twenty die, and I got my Chicon eight die. But I also got two Octothorpe dice. So these are clear purple eight-sided dice that have the Octothorpe on the eight. And they are wonderful. And I am very happy with them. So thank you very much to James Shields uh, for including these as a Brucey bonus in my um, lot of dice. I very much appreciate it. Thank you, James. 
Um, and I've, I've put a picture on the gram, which I will link in the show notes so that people can see who were not at Punctuation 2. Although if you weren't at Punctuation 2, did you really live? This is the question. I have tried to put up my new Shieldsy as a service ribbon as a background to this, but I don't think it's worked properly. I'll do it again another time. The convention is going well. We mentioned the scavenger hunt, and I want to talk about the scavenger hunt um, because long-time listeners to the podcast will remember that we mentioned the PicoCon scavenger hunt way back in a episode of um, Octothorpe that happened in February, and I contacted the person who wrote the bot that PicoCon used for their scavenger hunt and cheerfully forked it on on GitHub and made it work for us and then we had 90 items in our scavenger hunt and it has been going very well and so far my favorite is that i put after carrie mentioned um liking cheese sandwiches in hotels at some point yesterday i put a picture of a cheese sandwich outside a hotel in the scavenger hunt yesterday and then uh we've had lots of photos of people outside hotels with cheese sandwiches which is i i am very much enjoying very much enjoying this part of the convention we also asked for a recreation of the punctuation to logo in an art form of your choice and i think john is modeling one of the submissions for that this is andrew january's submission i we we have an even better one but it's it, it was not quite finished in time to use it as backdrop so if you if you wait to see me at the at the closing ceremony i'll be I'll be using that as my closing ceremony um, backdrop, I think. And we will um, be opening the Scavenger Hunt um, channels at the end of the convention. So if you're curious about what other houses did for their alternate punctuation to art, then you can kind of go through and have a look um, at the closing ceremony and afterwards. We may try to create a highlight reel for you to for, for you to particularly be in awe of but i don't know i mean a list a list of things that we particularly recommend people go and look at because there'd be some excellent submissions um if you're not doing the scavenger hunt then there is still time you are in a house go and go and join in um but it is a great way to have fun and i i think john and i both had quite a lot of fun at PikaCon playing the scavenger hunt and um and so we wanted to do it here in that form and it does seem to have gone down quite well I think last time I suggested we have houses and that we have some kind of competition and it would be fun. And everyone was like, ooh, it will be like enforced fun, like being in a schoolhouse. And I don't think we did a huge amount with it at Punctuation more. We had some points, but I also forget, kept forgetting to post like a house points update. But this time, it's not everyone in a house, but each of the houses, I think, has got quite into it. And they are doing things like leaving the house at 8am to go and take a photo of a cheese sandwich in front of a hotel or doing spontaneous art or writing folk songs. And I love it. Uh, It's kind of like the taskmaster thing where even if it's quite a silly task, it's quite a silly item you have to get, but then everyone's like, ooh, points. I like points. What do points mean? Prizes. Well, they don't. We don't have any prizes apart from maybe you can probably have a ribbon. Yeah, we don't have any prizes. We maybe should have told people that. There'll be a ribbon. And, and you know, bragging rights. Yeah. I mean, everyone's doing this just for, like, bragging rights. And, yeah, as, as the Spaniard says in the chat, for the glory. 
And I'm amazed that it turns out people will voluntarily do things like wear silly hats and, you know, the contents of a witch's closet and running around with cheese sandwiches. <laughs> well, and also, um, so I don't know, so, so Liz has, Liz has um, found a downside to living in uh, Thailand, uh, which is that when I, because someone bought Claire Booth beer cake, uh, because... Claire had put in the scavenger hunt by a member of staff a cake and I was like this is a good wheeze so the next day when we uploaded more I added by a committee member a cake I would not have let him do this I would not have <laughs> let him do this I should say if the committee had noticed before they got up I would have said that scavenger hunt items that involve bribing the committee are are inappropriate and should not be allowed I'm I'm just saying however also and also nobody has sent me a cake and my address is in the show notes right anyway oh no no Alison you're 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 actually not correct on that so Andrew January sent me this Costa uh, bag of cakes which is very nice thank you Andrew January Emily January sent Claire Briarly of Croydon a cake which was uh, I think some cupcakes but I believe I just saw that someone has indeed um, placed an order for a cake to come to Walthamstow Alison so <laughs> I believe you are about to receive some cake um... oh no, 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 no don't do that oh god I have actually not I have actually not put my address in the show notes anywhere because I do I do think they should not bribe committee members in this way I feel bad about it so but on the other hand it's on its way I said I, I do also love cake thank you very much <laughs> <laughs> and also I bought like 12 brownies for yesterday and they've all gone and I I can't really blame my cohabitees that much i think i think i have eaten more than my fair share of brownies so yeah i did get i did get delivered cake by by my husband also and beer there are there are photographs um yes indeed um but no the i have been i have been super super happy like i was a bit worried that i'd feel left out of the scavenger hunt because obviously we cannot participate because we have to be the people scoring that's also great fun oh <laughs> yeah but scoring it has almost been more fun. Yeah, like, it is so good. I, I don't know how many houses I have now told that their og is not off enough. <laughs> I loved a um, uh, special shout out to uh, Vanessa, who's Dalek and Dalek in disguise. <laughs> it made me laugh quite a lot. Uh, I really like that. But all of the submissions have been phenomenal. Um, thank you all so much for, for really getting into it. Um, Liz. I put, I put in that uh, I put the one in which there's a pub sign with lots of legs. And my intention was you get like as many points as there were legs on the pub sign, but that turns out to be quite difficult. But now I love that everyone's debating how many legs is lots of legs. Does this pub sign have enough legs to count as lots of legs? <laughs> it's very good. Yeah, they were kind of like, is this pub sign good enough? And I'm like, no. How many legs do we need? Lots. <laughs> one, two, many, lots. Yeah. Um, indeed, indeed. Uh, there was a controversy, and we should discuss it here. It's a serious business, and it's one that shouldn't be treated lightly. And that is, is getting up at 10am early. Some members of the convention have strenuously denied such charges and claim that it is not early and that there are earlier times. Um, so, Alison and Liz, let's discuss this controversy now. Oh, God, it's early. <laughs> so the problem is now that I am old. <laughs> i i kind of went well if we're doing 
park run or not park run on Saturday, we can do Stroll Within an Entities, which is kind of like a riff on Worldcon Stroll with the Stars, because we don't have any stars, we, we only have the Entities. A convention stroll at 9am on Sunday, that will make perfect sense. And Liz said, yes, who should I put that down for it? And I said, me, I'll find somebody to volunteer to look after it later. <laughs> Can anyone spot the the tiny flaw in this plan? <laughs> You'll get around to it later. Nine o'clock this morning, I went for a walk. But lots of other people did as well. We had about, I think we had about 10 of us on the walk and it was good. Including Liz, who was not walking in the cool, fresh, post-rain air of Walthamstow. She was walking in the 38-degree baking heat of Thailand in the mid-afternoon. How empty was your park, Liz? So the park was quite empty. I mean, it's a small park. Walking in the park was lovely. The problem is I have to walk to and from the park in the street and it is incredibly hot. And then I had to essentially come back and drink a large ice drink and shower to cool down enough to do a podcast. So there are certain flaws of this, but yeah, I was going to say I am, I'm old now. Like I would have said 10 o'clock was horrendously early, especially for a convention where I will have been up till, you know, three or four or something. But now actually I just wake up at 8.30. It's a bit disappointing, really. I have woken up the last two days just slightly too late to cycle the Zoom. But I mean, it's been okay, I think. Yes, no one noticed. Um, indeed, the chat seems to be about um, about basically. Ange thinks it isn't early, and everyone else seems pretty agreed that it is. Um, I think the best one is Maggie, who says there are earlier times, but she does not necessarily wish to experience them, and that is a fair way of looking at it. I think Farah does not think ten o'clock is early, as we know, because Farah was um, at the vanguard of can you have parties earlier in the day. And we had a birthdays party at 2pm. In particular, the Vauxhall party, which could not be earlier in the day because if you're going to drink a vast amount of whiskey and then fall over, you do not want to do that at 2 o'clock in the afternoon. And if you do, then, um, well, just, like, talk to us. Like, it's fine. But, like, reach out. Yeah, no, no, there's help available. Yeah, we have whiskey. And Max has said in chat, live action feedback... Uptime and not uptime have all blurred into one big puppy care session, and I don't know what awake even is now. That's fair. Farah defends herself. There are afternoon alcoholic drinks, G&T, Pims, and that is a good point. Pims, Pims is very good in the sunshine at about two o'clock in the afternoon. Okay, we are going to have an afternoon Pims party at punctuation three. You heard it three here first. Can somebody tag that in the next time channel so we don't forget it? Uh, wash your mouth out with soap. No, I mean, and, and don't get me wrong, I'm always up for Pims. Farah is hosting the Pims party. Hey, hey! Now that is how you make a party. For- you heard it here, yeah. You can get de- Pims delivered from a number of excellent Pims delivery companies like Sainsbury's, Tesco's and Ocado. I found out Aldi's does an off-brand Pims, which is apparently almost as good as the real thing and significantly cheaper. Um, I, I think you probably discovered that from James Bacon, who... Um, used it for Dublin parties, I think, because you could basically make a ton of pims using Jeeves, I think it's called. I think it is. Something like that. For something like a third of the cost. Right, we should... Um, I've just had a letter of comment. It was sent to only me for some reason, and uh, it's from the British Science Fiction Association, and it says that they're having an AGM 
which as you listen to this listener if you listen to it on the first day it's available will be in two days time and there is um a guest of honor talk by ali alison scoot alison scoot do we know about her she seems a bit dodgy um the convention is called conspire yenui who i do not know on twitter said, I cannot wait to hear from Alison on fandom experiences that seems to reflect our digital culture that is rooted in convergence culture and theory and participatory revolution. And I saw that tweet and I thought, oh, well, she's clearly looking forward to my talk. But on the other hand, I felt like a rabbit caught in headlights because the current state of my talk, which is called My Year in Virtual Fandom, is kind of at the... I've been on Zoom a lot recently, <laughs> level. So I feel that in order to meet Yen's expectations, I'm going to have to raise my game quite a bit in the next <laughs> week, um, two days as you're listening to this. But by the time you're listening to this, I will be much closer to her having written my talk. Narrator, she won't have been. Um, which means that I will not have done it, but I will actually be panicking by then. Okay, yeah, I believe that, that I believe. Liz, are you going to go to the BSFA AGM to listen to Alison talk about having been on Zoom a lot? So, <laughs> so I mean, I'm going to say to Alison that possibly running the Hugo Voter Pack and then an online convention and then going to an online convention where you have to give a speech was maybe slightly too many things for a six-week period. Just saying. Okay, so I've been thinking about this because I've become very self-reflective and I've concluded that... The last couple of months when I have prepared the Hugo Voter Pack and planned, done help, help with the planning of punctuation, have been quite full. But I would probably have been able to cope if I had not additionally inserted 205 hours of Hades, <laughs> which is a video game. 205 hours. That's a job. I mean, right. I think it's important. I think it's important to contextualise this. Um, that's eight and a half days. I I think of the 205 hours, only about four of that was in, four days of that was in entire days. And that's the sort of day where you wake up, go, ooh, I'm awake, I can play Hades. And then at two o'clock the following morning, you go, oh, I should stop now and go to sleep. Oh, none of my limbs work properly. <laughs> so, yes, um, Alison, Alison has been enjoying Hades. Um, but... I'm, I'm sure it will be a great BSFA talk as well. And I'm going to go. I've not been a member of the BSFA for the AGM before, so but I'm going to go. That was the thing I was going to say is that you can only go to the full thing if you are a member of the BSFA or the Science Fiction Foundation. Um, and I'm not currently a member of either. So I might try and do a thing. I think they've got some spare tickets you can pick up on Eventbrite or something. Yeah, I, I think it's free and you can get spare tickets. I, You know, and if not... Yeah, but I've got to... I, I've got to actively go and get the spare tickets <clears throat> rather than like spontaneously waking up and going, oh, I can go and watch Alison's talk. So there is a small amount of activation. And if not, I'm sure I can hit them up for a guest list. So I will probably go to some bits of it, but I have to sort of register session by uh, session and go and get them off Twitter. So which is perfectly reasonable, I should say. It's perfectly reasonable that. Um, yeah, I hope they've invited me to the whole day. You know, if you're members of these organisations, you can go to their whole day. Otherwise, you pick up some free tickets. I just haven't done it. Uh, they've sent me a link. So I hope you, I'm hoping that'll do for the whole day. Otherwise, I might have to give them a Paddington hard stare or something. I think if you're like a guest, you get to go to the whole thing. Yes. I hope so. Um... You'd think, wouldn't you? Yeah. Yeah. And 
writes in the chat as a member of the bsfa do i have to register on this link too i don't think you do because um i think i have a link to the zoom link in my emails right at this very point um so and i think if you check your emails you might find that the same is true um and indeed farah in the chat confirms my suspicions so thank you very much but it will be good um i have um been a member of the bsfa for oh months now and uh, i'm looking forward to diving in seeing what's up and we have uh, for those of you at the convention we have a panel coming up later which is entitled what did the uk's national genre organizations ever do for us in which we discuss the role of the bsfa and um the british fantasy society and the science fiction foundation in british fandom and um as you listen to this if you were a member of punctuation 2 i believe you can check the catch up program link because i believe it will be up for another week on an unlisted youtube link but that is off the top of my head um, but I'm pretty sure it is being recorded for some length of time um, to do check back. Um, but it will be a good panel. And hurrah. Yeah, I'm moderating it. So I, I like your, your faith in me, John. Thank you. One of the other things that's been nice about um, this weekend is that we've had representation from Winnipeg in 2023 and we went to their party last night and lost, asked them lots of questions about Winnipeg. I feel like they weren't necessarily the most relevant to the world because a lot of them like, is it true that it never goes above freezing point? And is Winnipeg the city that the song Red River Valley was written about? And um, what did Winnipeg ever do for us anyway? And isn't Winnipeg just a hipster version of um, North London? Can you get moose cheese? We asked about moose cheese. We did. We talked about moose cheese and I discovered a, a sauce for moose cheese that costs $675 a kilo. Yep. Um, so I'm not, I, I have a kind of hard limit on the amount I'm prepared to pay for cheese and it's significantly less than that. I mean, I'm, I'm not sure I would have said I did have a hard limit. But significantly more than Ian Sorensen, who I discovered bought £14 worth of cheese and then was surprised to discover that got eaten up quite quickly by three visitors <laughs> oh hang on you mean 14 pounds as in sterling rather than as in um fake kilos yeah i mean 14 pounds sterling which is about as much cheese as i ate for dinner yesterday yeah we had too much cheese Espania was genuinely worried she might be having a heart attack and then she was like oh no it's probably just that i ate too much cheese um which tells you how much cheese she had eaten Oh, yeah, well, she'd actually done that on top of that cake that she was describing that consisted of you make a cake and then it's using many different sorts of cream and then it's not creamy enough. So you tip another couple of pints of cream into it. Was that that's right? Is it not? It's got an entire litre of cream in it. And then it's also got condensed and evaporated milk. So it's quite good. It's a very good cake. Like can confirm. Uh, is it healthy? No. My long-time associates know that I'm extremely fond of cardamom buns as sold by the Fabrique Bakery. Oh, and Fabrique's recipe turned up in The Guardian. And I discovered that the reason that they're so good is that there was essentially about a kilogram of butter in the recipe. I was like, oh, <laughs> turns out you can make anything more delicious by putting more butter in it. Yes, indeed. Um, <clears throat> so uh, DC says, mistakes were made by everybody. Uh, in response to Espana saying mistakes were made. 
Uh, and that is true. I also ate too much cheese and then I had some beer and then Hispania made me a cocktail called a suffering bastard. And uh, yeah, you know, it's a convention. I woke up this morning late and bleary, uh, which is good. John was the last per- last committee member up this morning, which I think is pretty unusual. Yes, that has happened before when we had the 8am committee meeting and uh, John went straight from bed to meeting. Oh, yeah, that's right. Having agreed to having an 8am committee meeting, John didn't really turn up till about 8.25 and he was in his pyjamas in a way that was kind of like, I have clearly rolled out of bed onto Zoom. I, I woke up and I checked my phone and it had a message on it from one Alison Scott saying, Oi, meeting at eight. And I looked at the clock and I thought, oh, bugger. And then I went yes. to the meeting very quickly. Uh, and that was John good. loves good to, way to wake up, up. With, with texts from me explaining why he should have been somewhere sometime earlier. Um, Griffin in the chat has said, this is why brioche keeps fresh for so long. Um, and I can confirm that in my house, brioche keeps fresh for about two minutes. <laughs> after which there is no brioche (laughs) that is fair farah says that buffalo cheese was located uh by farah at the local artisanal market today and as that moose and elk are the only dairy cheeses farah can eat um this was very happy making yeah weirdly i I couldn't find any local buffalo cheese i thought that since there are quite a lot of water buffalo maybe there would be a buffalo cheese market but i haven't found it yet i have also discovered that Actually, eating a load of cheese at midnight is not really a great idea in terms of smooth sleeping. It's supposed to give you interesting dreams. It did not give me interesting dreams. It gave me indigestion. Well, I think that's why it gives people interesting dreams, right? (laughs) Yes. But I I regularly eat very large amounts of cheese at midnight, so... I don't regularly eat a lot of cheese, you see. Yeah, there's no time of day at which I don't eat too much cheese. I want to say thank you very much to Anna Raftery um, for proposing and getting the gin tasting started. Sadly, Anna was ill on Friday, so couldn't make it. Um, but we were very uh, grateful for her leadership and it was a good time. Uh, and I very much enjoyed my gins. Thank you very much to Ange for suggesting a box of cheeses for the cheese tasting and uh, for leading us through the discussion thereof on the Zoom yesterday. And then um, a preemptive thank you to the Unity Brewing Company. The head brewer, Jimmy, will be leading us through some of Unity's beers later today uh, and that will also be brilliant um and the tastings were one of the best bits of punctuation one in my opinion um and so this time i was very glad that we kind of did a more focused thing where people actually had the same stuff if they wanted to uh, and it has been it has been a real joy so uh, thank you everyone for for leading those and thank you also everyone who came along and made them so so great um really really enjoyed all three although there wasn't an official cake for the birthdays party um i think an afternoon birthdays party with lots of cake was also a good plan oh yes yesterday all i ate was unhealthy breakfast cake and cheese yeah we got we got our fry up delivered and then we went and then hispania had the sf cookbooks panel so she brought me a cookie and then hispania had the birthdays party so she brought me a cake and then some time passed and then andrew had some cake delivered to me for the scavenger hunt and then it was the cheese tasting and that was my that was my day and um there's not it was so good it was so good i can't i can't emphasize enough how great it was uh, but it wasn't very healthy but it was good I think what we've discovered is that socialising centred around food and specifically food that you can go out and get in advance and procure and think about is actually quite a good way of structuring socialising when we're all in different rooms. So it gives us some kind of connection between us and also it gives 
people, you know, some some specific reason to be partying rather than just we're having a party. Although I do regret that I didn't buy any birthday candles to put in my birthday cake. That was my failing. Do any of you have any questions for Ask Octothorpe? I mean, to be fair, in the chat, so um, we did ask what, we, what, what people wanted to, us to talk about. And Griffin did say that he wanted multiple letters of comment from Claire Briley of Croydon. Um, and Claire noted she's quite a few episodes behind. And Mark did explain that that is because she's been, been spending too much time playing Arkham Horror. Um, so there is that. Um, so... Oh my god, Malcolm, we should have done that. Um Malcolm in the chat says with Liz's suggestion that that um he should send <gasps> out chocolate lists. And yes, absolutely. How did we not? I'm so Hashtag next time. Yeah, hashtag next time. Um now. <laughs> um and will John insert the sound effects correctly <laughs> in the final edit? I mean I'll have a go. Uh <laughs> never say never. Um and then DC they want us to do some of the scurrilous gossip. I could talk about time zones. I, I could talk about um, if you. I mean, this doesn't. This doesn't count here because Liz is part of the Octothorpe um, collective and also part of the committee. So we have to. We are very happy to make some allowances for the fact that she's um, seven hours ahead. Six. We're not willing to get the number of hours you are ahead right, but we're willing. We're willing to make allowances. <laughs> okay, six hours ahead. But in general, if we're one of the reasons why we specified punctuation as a British convention was that I, there is another model you could have for online conventions where you really get into the global thing and you really do set it up so that it is a 24-hour thing with program happening all around the clock that really brings in people from around the world. And I think that is a great model and somebody I would really like somebody to take that and run with it. Um, but it's not the model of punctuation, which means that we are thrilled that people join us from um, all around the world. But that, but when you say, oh, it's a shame you've put on something interesting at 11 o'clock in the morning, we're kind of like, well, three o'clock in the morning, um, we're like, well, you know, you can just stay up for it or get up for it, and, you know, tough. So I would say, yeah, I think it'd be great to do that. But actually, it's quite a lot of effort to put on a day's worth of things during the times when people in the UK are awake and it would make things a lot more complicated because I already was thinking like in a few cases it's like oh this person would be great for that panel right then I must you know I can only put it in these two or three time slots when everyone is awake and that makes things more difficult and a couple of times it was like oh this person's just joining they might be great for this item but too late I've already scheduled it in and it's at you know 2am their time. So that is difficult. But I would say there is an example who does do a good job of it, which is Firecon did this. They did last year and are continuing to do the Firecon Fringe, where they essentially will have 12 hours of programming running in the 12 hours when East Coast USA is not really awake. So I think it runs sort of from 9pm to 9am and is deliberately made for people who are outside that time zone. And that is still free. So you can still go and watch that even if you don't go to the rest of the convention. So they're doing a really good job of it and there's someone to look at. But last year, I think they ran it by almost having two two kind of separate things there were people who were running the fringe bit and people running the the regular bit so that's how you do it you've got to have multiple teams i think i hadn't quite realized that firecon fringe was was convention for the off hours because i was expecting it to be more kind of convention adjacent activity is what i tend to think of fringe as being 
Well, and if anyone if anyone did want to run a punctuation fringe with some sort of amusing punctuation themed name that ran in uh, the times when we are asleep, then I would not stop them. But I, th- I think it also does need. I mean, in this case, I think it was a group of people who were, you know, very keen to have some something happening in their in their time zone. In, you know, in the same way that Firecon works. So basically, we would need a fairly dedicated team, I think, of people who are non-UK and dedicated enough that they, you know, I think most of our Australians are happy to just try and uh, get some program in the time zones when they are awake. Bridget Bradshaw suggests we call it the punctuation bangs, which I like a great deal. Um... That's amazing. So if anyone would like to run the punctuation bangs next time to... It's worth it for the joke, people. For the joke. <laughs> I mean, I think we may have to do it ourselves, actually. <laughs> we can't actually be in charge of it because it will be in the middle of the night. But that is a great, great name. It is. I'm, I'm, yes. Yeah. No, brilliant stuff. I'm banging. Absolutely brilliant. Says Fiona, <laughs> <helpfully>. <laughs> uh, Dear me. Uh, Jerry, we can't repeat that on the podcast. It's a family show, Jerry. You're already going to be beeping out. You've actually got things on your auto thing that you then have to beep out of the podcast. I mean, look, right? That is not the point. It's a family show. And that was the Octothought podcast. And it's goodbye from me. It's goodbye from me. And it's goodbye from me. I realised, John, that, you know, one of the people things that people have, this is actual content for Octothorpe, which I'm doing a terrible thing now. Um, one of the things that people have said about online conventions is that they don't like the feeling of talking into a void, of having um, your audience out there but not being able to see them or have them react. And I would like to say that doing a podcast for a year really helps with this feeling. <laughs> Yeah, we just recommend that everyone who is struggling with this just just do thirty four episodes of a podcast, and you'll you'll be all right. Um, is that it may not be helpful? No, it's um it's interesting. It is, but it is definitely true that when we do the live podcast, it is very fun to have the chat going and like see everyone like reacting in real time. That is uh it's phenomenal. Um, so thank you all very much for coming. I'm not sure it makes for an actual coherent podcast. Like it's, I think it's possible doing the live ones maybe makes the actual later recorded podcasts slightly less good because we are a bit like disjointed and like we pick up lots of stuff from the from the comments. Yeah, I don't know how the I don't know how the serious podcasts that we stole our format from um, manages this. We should we should pay some more attention, really. I, mean, I think they record for longer as part of it. I think their live episodes are often quite long and then then get edited quite sharply. Well, and I think also they. Um... They do, um, uh, they, because we've done one live recording, which we did standalone after confusion, where we basically just did the regular show and the chat burbled in the background. And that felt less fun to me than doing one where we pay a lot of attention to the chat and kind of interact a lot. But I think probably what they do is mostly ignore the chat unless they want like information out of it, which is good from their perspective, but less good for fostering the community feel. The theme music for this episode was Fanfare for Space by Kevin McLeod at Incompetech.com. 
used under a Creative Commons Attribution 3.0 license. This podcast will end at the beep. Beep.